morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 5th, and we are reading from the big book. We are on page 155, the first full paragraph that begins his call to the clergyman. Today's readers are Amy W., Daia, Marita, Du, Devorah, and Paula. Um, the reference number for yesterday, Monday, November 4th, is 5403. And I would like to correct the share ID for Sunday, uh, November 3rd. It should be 5398. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Amy W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, Amy W., Compulsive Overeater from California. 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all our defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Amy W. I will now ask Daia to read the 12 traditions. I don't hear you, Daia. Can you press star one? Good morning, everyone. Um, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups' ROA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Least problems of money, property, and prestige Divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Daia. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. 
Today we will resume our study of the big book on page 155, the first full paragraph that begins his call to the clergyman. Um, I will now ask Marita to begin the reading. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Marita. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. His call to the clergyman led him presently to a certain resident of the town who, though formerly able and respected, was then nearing the nadir of alcoholic despair. It was the usual situation. Home in jeopardy, wife ill, children distracted, bills in arrears, and standing damaged. He had a desperate desire to stop, but saw no way out, for he had earnestly tried many avenues of escape. Painfully aware of being somehow abnormal, the man did not fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic. And at this point, there's an asterisk, and I'll read that at the bottom of the page. This refers to Bill's first visit with Dr. Bob, These men later became co-founders of AA. Bill's story opens the text of this book. Dr. Bob's heads the story section. All right. So, yeah, we are in an important part of our history, important part of the story. So Bill is in the Mayflower Hotel. He's picked up the phone. He's dialed a um, clergyman, and it says that presently, He's connected with uh, somebody that he can help, somebody he can tell his story to. He actually didn't get to talk to Dr. Bob on the phone. He was talking to a church secretary, and then later she talked to the wife of Dr. Bob, and later still Anne got Dr. Bob to um, go over to the Sieberling's house and meet with Bill. He was going to give him 15 minutes of his time and that was going to be it. And uh, Dr. Bob was not interested, really, in talking. But he it's true what this paragraph says, that he had desperately tried for years, um, earnestly tried many avenues of escape. He had been working with the Oxford Grouper people for two years prior to this, and they were praying for him, and he had admitted his alcoholism, and Um, but he was still stuck, Um, and he didn't fully get what it meant to be alcoholic, and that was the special piece of information that Bill was going to be able to give him that Dr. Silkworth had explained to him. So so this, this whole tapestry, this whole story is like a puzzle where all of the pieces are coming together, and... um, the beginning of this wonderful movement that has saved so many of our lives is uh, is just you know gently falling into place. Um, higher power is working. It seems like a quiet thing, but it's definitely happening. Um, thanks very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Marita. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Kim. Hi, Kim. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, he, meaning Dr. Bob, had a desperate desire to stop, but he saw no way out. For he had earnestly tried many avenues of escape. 
painfully aware of being somehow abnormal, the man did not fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic. You know, and that's that desperate desire. It wasn't that I just was, you know, hanging out and just binging. I wanted to stop. I so desperately wanted to stop. And I tried many ways, many diets, many self-help books, many gyms, everything I could think of to escape, but I could not. And I was painfully aware I was abnormal. And unfortunately, when I came into OA, it says here the man did not fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic. Well, I spent many years in OA not knowing what it was to be a compulsive overeater. In our meetings, when they say, are there any other compulsive overeaters here, I would raise my hand desperately. But what I was raising my hand to was saying, I am fat and I do not want to be fat anymore. I didn't understand that I had this illness. And unfortunately, I think that part of the problem is we don't teach the doctor's opinion in Overeaters Anonymous, which is the foundation of this big book. The rest of the book makes no sense if we don't study that very specific chapter that gives us a very specific diagnosis that we have this allergy of the body, that our bodies are wired differently. That when my, I have an allergic reaction, an abnormal reaction, the way I experience my binge foods is not the way other people experience their, my binge foods. When I see people have half of something that I will binge on, they don't have willpower. They are satisfied with half and they don't think about it again. And I would beat myself up because I couldn't do what they did. Because I have an allergy. I am wired differently. I am part of a distinct entity. And more dastardly, I have this obsession of the mind. That no matter how long I'm abstinent, I'm going to have a mind that's going to tell me, Kim, it's been a good day. You need to celebrate. Kim, it's been a bad day. You need to take that edge off. You have 20 pounds off. Come on. It's been six months. It's been six hours. You can have just one. That is what it means to be alcoholic. And until we understand that, we're not going to put ourselves through this program of recovery, this drastic program of action. And what I found for myself is often my OA meetings were places where I came to feel comfortable about the way that I behaved in my disease instead of a place where I could learn to recover. So this is the stumbling block that Bob has. Bob is in the Oxford group, the same place that Bill went to find his solution and became recovered. But since he didn't understand, since he didn't fully concede, since he didn't know he had an illness, he was not able to escape. So that's so essential on the line. If you are a compulsive overeater, we have to know what that means. And that is described to us in the doctor's opinion. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share? This is Paula. May I share? Yes, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you, Kathy, and thank you for your service. This will be Paula, recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I want to look at this line. Was then nearing the nadir. I don't understand. What What is a nadir? Bob didn't understand alcoholism. An idea is, now it says he's nearing the bottom in his lowest point. Now you would think what, what we just read, he had been at the bottom, he was at the bottom point. No, not yet. 
No, not yet. And look at what it says. It was the usual situation, home in jeopardy, wife ill, children distracted, bills in arrears, and standing damaged. Standing damaged. He was still standing, though. He hadn't hit his knees yet. He had a desperate desire to stop, but saw no way out. You know, it reminds me of the mouses in the maze, and there they go running, scurrying to here. Whoop, wrong way. Scurry the other way. Hey, how about this way? Let's go backwards. That'll do it. I did all of that. But this part, painfully aware of being somehow abnormal, like he didn't know, like I didn't know, every morning after, every no, 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 and yet doing just the opposite. The man did not fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic. You know, Bob often uses other Bill often uses other words in his describing, but not here. Not here. Here he uses fully realize. And what do we see also in the big book? What does it say? Fully concede. Here they come together. And only when they do what it meant to be an alcoholic. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Sharon. May I share? Yes, Sharon. Please do. Okay. Thank you, Kathy, and hello to everyone out on the line. And this is Sharon, a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And I am so grateful that we are reading this paragraph because the amazing way that it shows that God God was behind this whole meeting that took place between Bill, who desperately needed to reach out to another alcoholic, and Dr. Bob, who was still just so uh, discouraged, you know, trying so hard to get sober and stay sober but could not and uh, the devastating consequences that go along with that, you know, that uh, despair with uh, just seeing your whole home and your children, everything just, you know, just coming down in shambles over your head. And it was this meeting of Bill and his uh, desperate moment to reach out to someone else rather than go into that bar and sit there with a glass of ginger ale, which would have led to a glass of whiskey or whatever his drug of choice was. And he was there with Dr. Bill. And that was the beginning of this program that we get the privilege to follow and receive that same gift of recovery. And I, too, was that abnormal person. Uh, I had received that gift in another program, but I was not able to accept to the core of my being, somebody just said it, fully concede that I was a compulsive overeater, that somehow, some way, someday, I would be able to manage and control those substances that I put in my mouth. And so I am just so grateful to be here today. I, I was two years ago when I started in July, and I... I don't know, God was right there on those pages every single day because they were on the doctor's opinion. And finally, finally, that clicked in my head that there was no difference and that once I would accept that to the core of my being, 
and then work these steps the way they're laid out in the book, I could recover. So I'm so grateful to be here today. I'm so grateful to all of you and all the service that you do every single day on this line. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, this is Kathy, and I'll take a turn. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I'm very aware of this sentence. He had a desperate desire to stop but saw no way out, and then painfully aware of being somehow abnormal. He did not fully realize what it meant to be an alcoholic. Well, I had uh, 15 years in OA um, trying over and over again to stay abstinent. I certainly read the steps at meetings but never actually practiced the steps until I got to Vision for You and Big Book Study. Um, And I did so much rationalizing over the years. I figured, yeah, I was abnormal, but I told myself I wasn't as abnormal as others because I really didn't have that much weight to lose. And so I would sort of tell myself, well, um, I can live like this. I'm abstinent most of the time. It wasn't until I read the doctor's opinion that I realized that I had a twofold disease And all the anxiety and um, compulsive behavior and depression, the the four horsemen in particular that I experienced, uh, were not going to go away, um, I finally realized, until I actually worked the steps to the best of my ability with the help of a big book sponsor. So it really was reading the doctor's opinion and hearing about it and really internalizing the seriousness of my disease that enabled me to move forward. And this is what's going to happen to Bob here today. And with that, I pass. Does anyone else want to share on that paragraph before we move forward? Okay, may I ask Do then to read the next paragraph? Good morning, this is Do, um, compulsive reader. When our firm related his experience, the man agreed that no amount of willpower he might muster could stop his drinking for long. A spiritual experience, he conceded, was absolutely necessary, but the price seemed high upon the basis suggested. He told how he lived in constant worry about those who might find out about his alcoholism. He had, of course, the familiar alcoholic obsession that few knew of his drinking. Why, he argued, should he lose the remainder of his business only to bring still more suffering to his family by foolishly admitting his plight to people from whom he had his livelihood? He would do anything, he said, but that. Okay, who would like to uh, share on this paragraph? This is Leah, good morning. Hi, Leah, good morning, go ahead. Hi, good morning, Kathy, thank you for your service. Good morning, everybody, my name is Leah, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. When our friend related his experience... The man agreed that no amount of willpower he might muster could stop his drinking for long. 
And, of course, this is detailing uh, the visit that Bill W. made to Dr. Bob. And what did he share? He shared his experience. Um, You know, he had been sober. Bill had been sober for six months by this point and grabbing men, you know, (laughs) off bar stools and, and giving them over, you know, spiritual principles and uh, talking about God. But it was Dr. Silkworth who uh, actually suggested to Bill, you know, turn that strategy around, deflate those egos first, give them the medical business, tell them about the problem and give it to them hard. You know, tell them about the obsession of the mind that condemns them to drink. Tell them about the physical allergy, uh, the you know, the way that they are biologically mandated that compels them to keep drinking. And coming from one alcoholic to another, that'll crack their tough egos. And that's exactly what uh, Bill Wilson did. When Bill Wilson talked to Dr. Bob, he spoke about his experience. He told his story. He didn't tell the story of the Oxford groups. He didn't tell the story of the spiritual conversion that he had. He told his drinking story, and his drinking story in such a way that it would be clear that if Dr. Bob felt like he was like Bill, he would realize that he was hopeless because he had an allergy of the body and obsession of the mind, which doomed him to this vicious cycle of not being able to stop once he started, and always, 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 after getting sober, never being able to stay sober, sober, never being able to stop from starting again. And that clarity of Bill's story, Bill's experience, this is not an intellectual exercise. This is not about some captivating theatrics, um, you know, that, that Bill conveyed or that we convey on the line here at A Vision for You. This is experience. This is the message of depth and weight, that I used to live that way, that Bill Wilson used to live that way. Uh, it goes on to say, a spiritual experience he conceded was absolutely necessary, but the price seemed high upon the basis suggested. Well, you know, that's a choice that each of us has to make once we are cornered. You know, and that's a personal decision because willingness is a one-person job. You know, I had to get pressed and pressed and pressed and pummeled and beaten up and bloodied by this disease before I realized, you know what, Leah? (laughs) Either you can continue to binge yourself into oblivion and eventual death, or you can pick up this kit of spiritual tools, these steps, and recover. There is no door number three. How many more years do you want to spend looking for door number three? Because there is none. So we come forward, as Bill did, with experience, that we have gone through an experience of allergy of the body, of obsession of the mind. We've had that experience. We've lived that. We've picked up these steps, and we have been transformed. So my experience and my belief is that the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous contains the best and the most powerful directions for doing the steps quickly that gave me a relief from the obsession that continued to send me back to the food that beckoned me. Now, of course, I had to, like Bill, had to convey that that Bob was allergic to alcohol. I, too, part of step one was for me to understand what those foods were so that I could eliminate them, abstain from them. I had to identify them. But that's not uh, my real problem. 
just like Bill was describing to Bob. Alcohol's not your real problem. You've been sober hundreds of times. Why can't you stay sober? Our real problem is a spiritual malady. We have a mind that tells us to go back to eat those foods even though we've been away from them. That's the mental obsession. That's also the piece that Bill conveyed to Bob and what the steps do, these absolutely necessary uh, actions that we take. The steps take away that mental obsession and substitute for that mental obsession a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. So are these measures drastic? Does the price seem high? Well, how free do you want to be? <laughs> how free do you want to be? That's it. There's a price for freedom, whether you're talking about uh, freedom for our nation or freedom from this disease. There is a price to pay. And for people like you and me, real compulsive overeaters, or for people like Dr. Bob, a real alcoholic, the price to pay is death of ego through these steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Who else would like to share? This is Katie. Hi, Katie. Go ahead. Um, I, I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, I just wanted to focus on this one sentence. He had, of course, the familiar alcoholic obsession that few knew of his drinking. Um, and, you know, I talk to people all the time that try that say, you know, they have this circumstance that makes them unique, you know, that makes it difficult for them because, you know, of, of this or that or the other thing. And, you know, I, I spent years in that um, place of thinking, but I have to fit in. I have to fit in with everyone else. And if I don't fit in, then they're going to make fun of me or, or they're going to think I'm a weirdo. Well, how weird is someone who is constantly going in and out of the kitchen and eating the food? It's like I didn't want to look at how weird I already was. And, you know, I wanted to, to, to fix the external circumstances and that somehow magically that was going to, uh, by fixing the external, that was going to fix the internal um, insanity that was going on. And, of course, you know, Bill gently, uh, well, tries to explain to him, you know, this is, this is more than just about the alcohol. And for me, it was more than about the, just the food. Um, and it, you know, the surrender to my higher power is on a day-by-day basis. And, you know, instead of focusing on how I'm going to handle next week, next month, next year, I had to be desperate enough to say, I will do whatever it takes to get out of this mental obsession that is ruining my life. And, you know, it, it didn't matter. Um, you know, I just had to trust that God was going to carry me through all these seeming difficult situations, and, you know, he just, his self-centered fear is just rampant here, you know. Why, he argued, should he lose the remainder of his business only to bring still more suffering to his family by foolishly admitting his plight to people from whom he made his livelihood? I mean, what did he think they were going to do, put it in the paper? I mean, you know, this is an anonymous program, and thank goodness, you know, obviously, at this time, he didn't know that part, and you know. But now that is how it is. That we don't have to tell anybody. 
you know, that we are members of Alcoholics Anonymous or Overeaters Anonymous if we don't want to. And if someone sees me eating a certain way, it's my choice to say, yes, I have an allergy, you know, I have an obsession. I, you know, used to be, I was close to, you know, morbid obesity. And if I still did that, I would be blah, 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 and go on and on. I don't have to do that today. I don't have to explain my existence to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes along. It's no one's business what I do with my food. And thank goodness, you know, ego has been reduced enough that I understand that people really could care less whether I'm eating or not. And, you know, I don't go to places with a long face and stare at the buffet and talk about how I wish I could eat it. I mean, that's not what my life is today. I... You know, I haven't had to lose my livelihood. In fact, my life is so rich and full today compared to what it was. You know, my life has become very narrow and small because I could not, uh, you know, the bedevilments were um, just a regular part of my my life, which... If you're not familiar with the bedevilments, it says we, on page 52, we were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Uh, So we... You know, this is saying, I mean, here, you know, Bill and Bob are talking about um, what it's going to take to put down the, the alcohol, and he's thinking about his external um, reputation. It's just so um, crazy. But as we will go on to see, you know, he had to learn more before he could put down the alcohol for good. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Let's move on to the next paragraph, and I'll ask Devorah to read it for us. Press star one, Devorah. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Devorah. I'm a compulsive overeater in New Jersey. Recovered. Thank you, God. Being intrigued, however, he invited our friend to his home. Sometime later... And just as he thought he was getting control of his liquor situation, he went on a roaring bender. For him, this was the spree that ended all sprees. He saw that he would have to face his problems squarely, that God might give him mastery. Okay, so here we are. He had to get good and desperate. He had to reach his God, and he had to realize that what he was doing was not going to get better. Um, And he had to... Realize his powerlessness, come to his powerless, and 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 see that God could, if he was willing, to turn to him to help him get out of this deep dark pit. Um, and um, and sometimes we have to go through that agony, that 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 last roaring bender, that last binge, um, to bring us to this point. You know, they say the gift of desperation. Um, you know, if you're not there yet, then pray for it. Um, if you're not willing yet to, 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 um, have God remove this obsession, then go on that last binge and maybe then you'll become willing. Um, and that's 
You know, that's where I had to be. I had to be good and desperate um, just to stop what I was doing, thinking that my way was going to be better, that that it was, you know, I had to put down all my thinking, my way of thinking, and and just surrender um, to this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Devorah. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? May I share? Who is this? This is Dana. Sure, Dana, go ahead. Thank you. My name is Dana. I'm a uh, recovering compulsive overeater. Uh, Very grateful now to have been in the program about uh, 12 years and um, finally getting it and uh, maintaining a, a good, healthy weight and um, abstinence from former binge foods and just enjoying the miracle of the program and what it's brought me. Um, This is a really uplifting uh, paragraph that was just read and really dramatic also. I imagine I can, you know, really relate to how Bill must have thought. I think we all can because we think people don't know about our um, alcoholic nature with food. Sometimes we don't even know. We don't see it. I was like that myself, and um, I just had this uh, insatiable desire to keep eating, and I I was getting larger and larger. Um, Fortunately, two family members pointed out what was going on, and I I finally got it, Uh, and... um, by some miracle, I was I found out about OA, and I've been coming ever since. I find it really touching that Bill um, opened up. He started opening up about his relationship with his alcoholism and. Um, making uh, amends, I'm sure. And it says how he feared that, that this might be the his, his ruination. And much to his delight, people were compassionate and um, understanding. This makes me appreciate how delicate this situation is. Uh, I see morbidly obese people um, occasionally where I work out in a gym and at the pool and um, I don't uh, 
come forward anymore and actually tell them <laughs> about our our program but um I do like to interact with these people and muster uh, compassion. I know they're really struggling, and I, I really can't imagine getting up to a weight of a couple of hundred pounds. But I've met many people in the program who have, who were like that, and through the miracle of the program, they they've lost like one and two hundred pounds. It's just such a miracle. It took me the longest time to relate alcoholism to compulsive overeating and um, I just thank God for uh, the founders of OA and I'm always inspired by Bill's story and Bob's story and um good to be a part of part of this process this morning. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Dana. This is Lois. Lois, go ahead please. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Good morning everyone. This is Lois, uh recovered in Massachusetts. And I wanted to go back to that word where it says being intrigued and then uh, Bob was speaking, I guess. it was referring to Bob being intrigued. And then sometime later, and just as he thought, you know, he was getting control of his liquor situation, he went on um, a roaring spree, you know, for the, but this was the spree that ended all sprees. And he saw that he would have to face his, wait a minute, his, oh, wait a minute, let's go all the way back, his problem squarely, and that God might give him Mastery. Well, for me, I mean, I had been to that point many times that Bob was talking about here, that Bill is describing. <clears throat> Just as I thought, you know, I was getting control of my eating, you know, my eating situation, how many, many times had I got to that point? Uh, many times over the past 10 years. And, and once again, went on what I thought was, you know, the last spree of my life. Here I was again. Just as I said, I would never, I would never do that again. Here I was, back on, back at square one, and you know for, that went on for many years with me. Um, I then I had an, uh, an alco- I mean, a compulsive overeater, just like Bill was to Doctor Bob, doing a twelve step with me. In a way, it was they didn't call for me at home, but they were telling me, you know, one of my first sponsors was telling me that, you know, she had found. Um, a new meeting where they were talking about the big book step study and how that would, how it, we could um, re- become recovered. We could recover from this disease. And that was the first time I had heard that, that term. So that was the beginning of my recovery. I mean, I didn't stay, re- you know, I didn't stay absent at that point, but it, my, my recovery plan was just to go on and on and on, and I have become recovered. So if you're new and you're coming back, you know, this is happening for you right now everywhere. It's happening for all of us, that one, one compulsive overeater is sharing this story, like, just like we are this morning, with, with you and uh, showing how, you know, we had, we had recovered from the same type of disease that you were suffering from. And that's why this big book today is alive, you know, and I'm so very grateful for 
that first person who came and told me her story about how she finally understood what the problem was and found what the solution was. And it was all in this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Kathy. I pass. Thank you, Lois. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Helena in Okay, I heard Helena and someone else. Kim? Kim, okay. Go ahead, Helena, and then Kim. Good morning. Um, I, I'm very interested to see uh, that they are telling us in this chapter what can happen to us. And we know, of course, that planting the seed is all we can do. Although it says that Dr. Bob was painfully aware of being abnormal, that he didn't fully realize, although he had a desperate desire to stop. And then it says he never could stop for long at a time. And then he's still not ready. Even after he's heard all this, the price is high. And uh, God bless him, he knew the price would be high. I don't think I knew the price would be quite as high as it is when I came in that utter destruction of self-will was uh, what's in store for me and will be for the rest of my life. Um, I'm also very aware that at this point, Bill, who is speaking to Dr. Bob and trying to reach out to him, is himself in deep trouble. He, can't, he has no money, and his uh, venture that he thought was going to set him on his feet is still bogged down in a lawsuit, and he's stuck out here for the next three months. And uh, yet this book is not telling us a whole lot of that. They're mentioning it on the side. I think about myself, would I have been able to reach out to someone at this point and to really focus on working with and forming a friendship with somebody who is struggling and um, wait. So the seed was planted. And once again, of course, Dr. Bob went on his roaring bender, which, of course, was going to happen, as we all know. But the difference was that he had some information that Bill had given him, and he now recognized and was able to finally... Uh, say the price is high but I have to do it or I will die pass thank you Helena Kim go ahead please thanks Kathy good morning again everyone just want to compare two sentences so that second sentence sometime later and just as he thought he was getting control of this liquor situation he went on a roaring bender so it sounds like Dr. Bob is still relying on him He's still relying on self. You know, and when Bill described these six tenants of the Oxford group, he was like, now I get it. I'm an alcoholic. I have to do this. But you know what? That restitution thing, that's going a little bit too far. And restitution is what turned into our steps eight and nine. So that's a little bit overboard. I'm going to do everything but that. So he's still thinking he can do it. And let's compare that with that last sentence. He saw he would have to face his problem squarely that God might give him mastery. So he was willing after this spree, which was in Atlantic City, New Jersey, by the way, this spree, he was going to have to face his problems. He was going to have to do restitution. He could not do part of the tenants and expect to stay sober. And now his focus was that God was going to have to give him mastery. He was going to have to let God lead his life because he found even when he did this program of the tenants at 90% and how many of us want to do OA at 90% I'm doing most of it I've given up most of my bench foods I go to meetings most of the time 
I call a sponsor mostly when she wants me to. And what are we told in, in how it works? That half measures will avail us nothing. So that's the difference. The difference, once again, is sometime later, just as he thought he was getting control of his liquor situation. So Bill is, I mean, Bob is still thinking he can control it. And finally he gets to the point where he saw that he would have to face his problem squarely and that God might give him mastery. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Lisa? Yes, go ahead, Lisa. Yeah, I really like this where it says that he ha- he would he saw that he would have to face his problems squarely, and for me that's doing a really good four step. When I did my four step out of the big book and saw all my resentments and all my fears, and um, that took quite a while just because I had so many resentments and I didn't know myself enough to be able to um, face my problems squarely that God might give me mastery and I have to continue to do steps 10 and 11 and 12 because I have these core patterns and beliefs that I developed through my own illness through the years and unless I'm constantly inventorying myself I'm going to keep harming others with those issues and I had to go on that roaring bender several times maybe a hundred times before I could see these issues and get reached that that very bottom that made me so desperate to get that gift of desperation that I was willing to do this work because it takes a lot to do this stuff. It it's not easy. It's a simple program but it's not easy and, and doing the four step was it, it took a lot of writing and it took a lot of um just soul searching and it is soul search it is soul work. My sponsor calls it soul work. And to face those nooks and crannies in myself, that was not easy at all. But God had to be involved with that. And God just gives me a little bit of a candlelight on these issues as I need it. But I need to constantly be opening up myself up for that growth, constantly opening up to see, wow, what, what is it I need to look at? Because if I keep going on these emotional benders that I tend to do, then that's the same as eating. That's the same as um, splurging and everything. So... And that's where the lower power gets involved with me. You know, I feel my sponsor, my first uh, sponsor said, you know, there's a lower power, so I have to look at that. So what is it that God wants me to look at today? What's on my emotional plate today so I don't have to use food to um, to eat? So what's on my emotional plate that God has for me today? So I'm really grateful that we're looking at this. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks. Who else would like to share on this? This is Paula. May I share for a moment? Paula, go ahead. Thank you. I wanted to just go back just for a moment to perhaps the best way, on page 153, of treating you to a glimpse of your future will be to describe the growth of the fellowship among us. Here is a brief account. We have three pages here to talk about a lifetime a lifetime. This line that we just read, being intrigued, however, and you know what? He invited our friend to his home. I want to go back again, just for a moment, because you see it is in the going back, that we will go forward. That word that we read, Nadia, he wasn't at the bottom. What did it say right there? He was nearing the bottom on 155. He wasn't at the bottom. Well, I think we see here 
the bottom because this is what did it. But look at the word. He was getting control of his liquor situation. We all know that one. And then what happened? You would think, oh, clear ceiling. A roaring bender. For him, this was a spree. Now look at this word that ended all sprees. Thank you, God, for that spree that ended all sprees. He saw he would have to face, and there's the turning, his problem squarely. Saw, finally see, that God might give him mastery. Now the answer. Always living in the problem. Now the answer. In the turning toward into. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Well, this is Kathy, and I'd like to take a moment. Um, I really identify with that last sentence. He saw that he would have to face his problems squarely, that God might give him mastery. Um, it was not until I really surrendered to uh, the idea that I was powerless and that I could not solve this problem without the help of a higher power, um, that I began to build a foundation for recovery. Um, up to that point, although I read this book, um, I was strongly agnostic and uh, strongly unwilling uh, to rely on a power greater than myself that I could not see or touch. Um, and it was only through the repeated um, uh, breaks and failures that I became desperate enough to consider the possibility and to actually begin to uh, come to believe and to make a decision to turn my life and my will over. And I'm really struck by um, what I now know, which is it's a decision to trust and rely on God. It's not a feeling. Um, it's a decision to believe. Uh, and whether or not I feel it is something that on some days I'm blessed with feeling a connection and other days I'm not. But I know I've made the decision, and since I made that decision, um, I have been living in recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Anyone else want to share on this? It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, regarding... The statement here, he saw that he would have to face his problem squarely, that God might give him mastery. I just think that fits in nicely with those couple of paragraphs out of the doctor's opinion, and it goes as follows. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. 
After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. And, of course, this relates totally to Dr. Bob. This is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there's very little hope of his recovery. On the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand Once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, and certainly Dr. Bob seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, and certainly that's been relayed, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. We're talking mastery. The only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. So that God might give him mastery. You know, we must do what we can do, which is the application of the steps, which is exactly the process that Dr. Bob went through. And God is going to uh, do the rest, which is create a miracle. But I have to get to the point where I'm willing to cooperate with his grace. It's that wonderful dance between um, willingness and grace. Willingness and grace where God uh, gives Dr. Bob and all of us who surrender to this process mastery. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Aya. I think it's now time for us to bring the meeting to a close. Um, Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, will you please read a vision for you? Yes, I will. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day. For the man who is still sick, the answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, thank you.